Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I am Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes, France. And of course, I have Robert Hutton with me again. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. Now, we need to be very careful what we say today, very diplomatic in our language. That's right. Watch your words. That's exactly right. And so we'll be talking about uh, diplomacy and and, and the people associated with that. Diplomats. That's exactly right. We'll be discussing that today. Uh, But also, maybe the international aspects of the Order of Malta. As we've said before, the Order of Malta is a a very uh, wonderful organization and have sponsored this pilgrimage here uh, to Lourdes for us and uh, to make it uh, possible that we might find out more about the works of the order uh, and what the order is uh, doing in the world today. And so I thought maybe we'd do a show about um, uh, the international aspect, the fact that the order is all over the world. And I thought, well, what better way to do that than when a couple of ambassadors for the Order of Malta uh, to a couple of different countries. And so we brought them along with us. Sounds Uh, good. Let me introduce them. We have His Excellency Mauro Bertero. Uh, He's the ambassador for the Order of Malta to the plurinational state of Bolivia. We, of course, have known that as uh, Bolivia, Bolivia, right? right. Same country. And uh, His Excellency David Scarf, who's the ambassador for the Order of Malta to the Democratic Republic of Timor-Leste, or East Timor, is what we've always Have you ever visited either of those countries? Uh, yes, I have. I, you know, I'm a very educated uh, host of the Catholic Cafe. And so, gentlemen, welcome to the uh, luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. It's good to have you here. Thank you very much. It's uh, Deacon Jeff and, uh, and Robert. All right. It's a, it's a pleasure being here. What does an ambassador, why would the Order of Malta need an ambassador? I suppose to, to, to understand why we have ambassadors is because we have to understand the nature of the order. The order is unique in its, in its nature. It is not only a, uh, a lay Catholic religious order. It is an order of chivalry, but it's also a sovereign order. It's a sovereign. Sovereign. What is? Let's explain the word sovereign. What so, does that mean? Sovereign order is a. It's a, although it's it's basically stateless. It is recognised diplomatically in 104 countries, including permanent observer status to the United Nations, to many of the UN agencies in Europe, and in Africa. And thus we have, a, uh, we have ambassadors and we have the rights to, uh, we, have, uh, we are represented in 104 countries, as I said, um, and it assists our work in our, uh, our hospital or in humanitarian works. Talk to us a little bit about how that, how does that assist your work? What, obviously with going into different countries, uh, et cetera, you, you're going to have to have, uh, understand the nuances of the culture and uh, the political system and, and, and what you're dealing with, especially if, if the order wants to go in during some disaster. Okay, Deacon Jeff, thank you so much for this opportunity, and Robert also. I'm very privileged to share this opportunity with my dear colleague, Ambassador Scarf. I believe that what Ambassador Scarf just mentioned is essential to understand. As a state with no territory... We are represented worldwide, and our mission as ambassadors to these different countries, 104 different countries, is actually an essential tool, instrument, to work with and very closely in relation with our associations, national associations. The order has 46 national associations, which eventually get together all the members of the order in our different countries 
and are actually the instru instrument the order has to put forward all the projects, humanitarian help, and humanitarian different initiatives. So to be an ambassador in different countries under stress and to intervene in different situations where humanitarian help is needed, we have something that only diplomats can enjoy, that it's unparalleled access at the political level to national governments and international organizations. And we can't speak out highly enough about how that is important. If you want to cut through the red tape, if you want to make something happen, because when you're talking about disaster relief, having uh, months of red tape uh, and, and situations where you can't get uh, help or assistance into a particular location, be able to have that political uh, clout, if you will, that, that, that ability to negotiate at a very high level so that you can cut through all that probably is very important to the process. More than clout, I would believe that our order's essential uh, privilege is to be able to be inspired by the example of our grandmasters, both the one we have right now, His Highness from Matthew Festing, I believe his humbleness in ways to address different situations is the word, the key word. It's actually the bridge that allows us to cross over all this red tape because we come from a religious order, but also a religious order who Besides wanting to have media visibility, what we really enjoy is being able to deliver answers to the poor and the sick. Ambassador. Not too much to be on TV or to... Of course, we love to be on radio, oh, especially we this kind of yeah. radio. <laughs> ambassadors, I've heard before that sometimes the Order of Malta's ambassadors can sometimes actually get things done that even like the ambassadors from the United States can't because we're not a political is that is that correct? Have you heard, that, is that true? That, that is correct. In fact, when an ambassador of the order presents his credentials to a head of state, he he um, he states very clearly that he is there representing the people of the of the receiving state. When I go to East Timor, I act in the interests of the people of East Timor. Whereas if the French ambassador goes to East Timor, he's always acting in the interest of the French people. So we are there only to help the people of the receiving state. Has that helped you in particular oh, catastrophes? Uh, or? Absolutely. It's a, I mean, it helps in a, in a very practical way. When, we, uh, when, we, when I send things, an ambulance, for example, to, to, uh, to, to Dili, the capital of East Timor, it, it's released within, within a day. Other things could take up to a month to have it released. There's no doubt about that, the, that, that fact the fact that we are there acting in the interests of those people alone and we have no other mission, we have no other priorities except to be there helping those people assists greatly in, in the execution of our projects. And therefore there is no, there's no question of uh, priorities, there's no question of... Uh, um, uh, we are completely neutral and more than neutral, we are acting always in the interest of those people. Now also when you're acting in the interest of these people... Um, I you know, it's not just out of a, 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 a sense of duty or a sense of uh, fulfilling your job. It's more of a mission, isn't it? And we're talking about things like humanitarian diplomacy. The, the, the idea that, that we're called to do something for our, our, our fellow brothers and sisters. Well, Deacon Jeff, you took the words out of my mouth. I believe we must have dreamed the same dream. Okay. <laughs> because I, last night, speaking 
to a wonderful human being and actually somebody that helps us very much from Rome. I'm speaking about Eugenio Iroldi, who's the Director of Communications Office. I believe he does a wonderful job in connecting us among the diplomacy network and the, you know, our, 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 our structure in Rome. I believe that yesterday we were discussing some issues and we came about to a definition. Humanitarian diplomacy in the world we live today is not a choice. It is actually a responsibility. One cannot live in countries like Ambassador Scarf and myself live in and ignore the reality of everyday life. And I think, Ambassadors, am I correct also that you all aren't paid to do this. You all do this out of your own funds as a form of service to the church and to the order and to the world. Is that correct? I mean, you're not like on salary. You, you, you are using your own resources to be able to serve these people. Well, well, that is true. Um, we, we do use our own resources or resources from people that we can <laughs> encourage to, uh, to, 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 help. to contribute. Uh, yeah. That's right. Um, but it's, uh, we, we, there is no resources coming directly from the order. But we do seek uh, funding from other governments, from sovereign funds, to support our projects, not, not to support our, our living there. Um, and, and normally uh, we can find those funding. Usually people are looking for opportunities to, to contribute right. for good causes. And that's what we, uh, that's what we continue to do. Amen. That sounds like a wonderful and uh, um, uh, a noble thing to do, as a matter of fact. And so uh, we're going to talk more. We've got some great um, stuff to talk about here uh, on the international aspects uh, and works of the Order of Malta. Uh, we're going to take a break real quick. And before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. But also I want to invite you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite Monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the order, but her persistence paid off 
by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. The superiors of the order were impressed by her persistence and maturity and allowed her to enter the Carmelite order at the age of 15. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lisieux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer any more because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. I'm Bestrozemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth here in the French Catholic Cafe. Uh, we, we're in Lourdes, France still. And we are joined today by the ambassadors to uh, East Timor and to the plurinational state of Bolivia, which we'll just call Bolivia, if that's okay with you. <laughs> of course. Uh, that's right, Ambassador. So, and so tell us a little bit about uh, maybe what's going on uh, in your particular countries, because a lot of people are not as familiar in the United States. Uh, with exactly what goes on in your country, maybe even where it's at. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what's going on in, in, in your particular countries. Of course, uh, Deacon Jeff. Bolivia is in the heart of South America. It's had almost 50 years of diplomatic bilateral relationships with the sovereign order of Malta. And in Bolivia, we have 28 knights of magistral grace. And the 29th is actually our cardinal, Julio Terraza Sandoval, a prince of the church. Uh, we in Bolivia have many projects, but if I may mention just a few ones, we have a center for renal care in the poorest city of El Alto. Uh, we are talking about a city of a million people who actually has many of them, many hundreds of thousands, uh, that live with an income of $45 a month. And so uh, with the support from the Spanish Association and the Spanish International Cooperation Agency, we have developed this free uh, treatment for renal care patients. Is that uh, dialysis? Yes, dialysis okay. with machines that were reconditioned and given to us in two different, uh, uh, you know, uh, different times, uh, 10th in one, uh, uh, you know, February of 2000 and other 10 recently in February of last year. Then we have uh, recently completed a center for palliative care for terminally ill cancer patients in the city of El Alto. We have a center for diabetes investigation and prevention in Santa Cruz, the place of the lowlands where there's a prevalence of diabetes that is a very high. Seven out of ten people have an indication of diabetes. In Are there a lot of poor in Bolivia? In Bolivia, there's 65% that are either on or under the poverty line, according to the United Nations standards. And many sick people don't have access to free medicine or free treatment, medical treatment. And so that's why we have promoted other different initiatives that go from what's strictly humanitarian assistance in terms of medical 
uh, initiatives to also some economic promotion initiatives for single mothers, for example, to be able to raise their children in a better fashion. Uh, textile uh, programs that we have developed with Caritas Bolivia we have our chaplain, Adonorem chaplain, the greatest, Monsignor Jesus Juarez Parga, who's actually leading these kind of initiatives because if you teach a single mother who's a very young mother who has nobody to care for her children, some kind of a trade where she can eventually sell and you can provide also somebody to buy these products, then you eventually are asking her to develop a strategy to survive and actually to promote the better education of their children and get out of this cycle of poverty. Now, I also uh, have heard that you guys have a center for the promotion of dried potatoes. Yes. Now, you know, is it... Of dried potatoes? Dried, as in like drying potatoes. Oh, like french fries. I have never... No. No. (laughs) No. But I've never heard of that. So tell us, what's that that all about? Deacon Jeff, what happens is that when potatoes come into the market, since Bolivia is where the potato originated around Lake Titicaca. It really? came from Bolivia. To at the time, At the time, it was not called Bolivia. It oh. was part of the Spanish colonies. Yeah. But uh, I can tell you something that it's kind of an anecdote. In Bolivia, we have a center to actually protect the genetic memory of 7,000 different kinds of potatoes. So, <laughs> the, the, so the, the, the World Potato Museum is probably yes, there in, yes, Bolivia. in Bolivia. But That's why do we have honored. this a kind of a pro- promotion of this potato? Because it so happens that when all potatoes come to the marketplace, the price is driven down. While then, if you make the heat dehydrated potato that is called traditionally chuño, and it's part of the Bolivian diet and also the Peruvian diet, then you have the ability to preserve it longer and then choose a better time to sell it in the market. And ah, eventually so kind of, it, it just levels out yes, the marketplace and doesn't yes, have this yes. in great influx of potatoes, yes. and all of a sudden there's no potatoes yes, and the price yes. goes up. And this promotion uh, center is actually sponsored by the Canadian Association, who does a wonderful job in Bolivia with this and the education. And that's model. obviously going to uh, benefit the farmers and the locals there that are, that yes. are producing potatoes. Especially very poor rural area communities which See, are benefiting. That's how smart the Order of Malta is. They find the things locally that are very important, and they make sure that those things are uh, uh, heightened and and they become these wonderful uh, opportunities for ministry to those who need it in the way that they need it. Pragmatic ways to help the poor. New new ideas. Absolutely. Again, I've never heard of that, but now I have, and uh, I'm an educated man I thought potatoes came from Ireland, so I'm glad to know they came from Bolivia. Well, now, let's turn our attention to East Timor and find out what's going on there. Uh, Ambassador, in terms of East Timor, what's going on? Well, uh, for those who don't know, East Timor is a small half an island, um, uh, about uh, 250 kilometres north of Australia. And it's the youngest country in the world, having only gained independence since 2002, uh, officially. And so you're a very young man then. I am. am (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Deacon (laughs) Jeff. Um, I, as, I am the first uh, ambassador to the, to the Democratic Republic of East Timor, and I feel uh, privileged to be so. It has a, um, it is some very unfortunate statistics. It has a, it has a um, well, the fortunate statistic in some way. It has a fertility rate of around 6.7 or 7 per mother. It has a mortality rate of mother and child in childbirth at the second highest in the world, Mm. just above Eritrea. That's a tragedy. It's a a real problem. 
And of course, as a result of that, when you have such a high mortality rate in childbirth, you have a situation where you have large families without a mother. So the consequence of that is you have a, uh, an enormous um, problem of malnutrition with children. So you have, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. One of the projects we did um, was we, we established, we created a birthing centre way up in the, uh, they, the different states. We could, they call them districts. There are 13 districts in, uh, in East Timor. And, uh, and I opened it last, last November. And it was a long drive, six-hour drive. It's only about maybe 80 kilometres, but with the roads the way they were. Um, it took about six hours. And on arriving there, um, it was like a celebration. All the local towns gathered together. It was just wonderful. Anyway, we opened the, we opened the centre. And as I, as I sort of turned the key and cut the ribbon, the lady who was organising said, Our Ambassador, we have a surprise for you. And I said, that's great. And we walked in the door. And a woman had given birth the night before. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. And the, the, the mother was there with a the little baby there. And she said, um, you know, this mother would have otherwise, if this clinic wasn't here, she would have given birth at home. Unfortunately, she had some problems in the delivery, and she could have easily died as a result of it. So it's things like this where you really feel, feel grateful that uh, you have the opportunity of, of being able to do things like that. The other thing we've done, which we're uh, very happy with, is we, we uh, had a project for the rehabilitation of the ambulance service there. After the war, the War of Independence, I suppose, from, from, um, from the Indonesians from 1975 to the 2000, the ambulance service was completely de depleted. And uh, through the Australian Association, who have been fantastic, they, uh, they, uh, we funded the, 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 the um, training, retraining of the ambulance uh, drivers and nurses, and uh, we've had two, two graduations now, so they're all trained. We've donated an ambulance to the, to the, um, to the country. Um, they have ten ambulances, only two work. Goodness. Uh, so, and so That's our, like the snow plows in Memphis, Tennessee. There's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing works. But there's a situation where our, our donation increased the ambulance capacity of the country by 50%. Wow. And, uh, but we now have a program of uh, re, uh, repairing and resurvicing all the ambulances, so hopefully in the next few months we'll have them back on the road. Let me ask you, uh, this Ambassador, one thing about, um, you know, there are a lot of secular charities that do things, you know, secular where they're just doing them, but how important is your faith or the fact that this is a faith community or a, ca a Catholic faith community that's doing this work? Is that an important aspect of the work of the Order of Malta? Is a bridge in any way with the, I mean, does it... I think that, I mean, we all, we all do, do works. We all, I think, most people have a desire to serve, some more than others. I think within the Order of Malta, it's put in a framework whereby uh, we are serving our lords, the poor and the sick. We, are, we, we see Christ in the people we serve. In that baby that was born yes. in East Timor. Yeah, and 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 we and I felt really privileged to be able to be there and have made a, made a small contribution in that. Another thing, back to the ambulance uh, service, the uh, we trained seventy or eighty odd um, ambulance drivers and nurses, and one of them we trained them to paramedic level. One of them said to me after the first graduation, he said, "You know, up until now we just felt like taxi drivers driving sick people and." pregnant people to hospital, but now we feel like, you know, true ambulance people. Yeah. And uh, we, we, as a result of that and giving them some attention, they've lifted their own esteem and they've started to ask, 
you know, where things are in the ambulances and why don't we have this. So I think the whole level has is, is improved. And, of course, as a result of that, people now feel more confident in using ambulances there. So I think that was a good project. The interesting thing is, uh, and the enlightening thing is, that, uh, that we have two ambassadors here, Robert, mm-hmm. from two different countries, and to know that the same things that are happening there that are very specific to that local indigenous population, to what's going on in your specific countries, is going on in almost every country in the world, well, just everywhere. Right. This is a truly uh, uh, universal uh, aspect, and it, and it ties. I mean, it's, it's interesting that this is a, essentially a Catholic Right, outreach, and the word Catholic means universal. And so here the Order of Malta is demonstrating its Catholicity, its, its uh, uh, deep faith uh, uh, given uh, as a gift to the church. And so um, let's, just one last question, uh, Ambassador Bertero. What, what, do you, what do you think about faith and how it, how it plays into what you guys do? Well, I thank you so much because it's been said before that resources are very important. Money is very important, but much more so is the faith we must have in our ability, each one of us, to become a positive answer to the hopes of the sick, to the less privileged in our societies. Faith, and actually Robert mentioned it, faith can and must be a bridge to help us cross many rivers. Faith is, after all, the most important gift we have been given by our Lord. That's the reason why you see so many people from the Order of Malta this weekend coming to pray to Lady of Lourdes because uh, this is a sort of refueling of the gas tank for the rest of the year, for our efforts for the rest of the year. I believe we come here and I can tell you one thing that somebody said this morning at church because with the Italian delegation we have mass at 6 in the morning for the staff members. And what happens is that he mentioned something that is essential and has been always in my mind since the first time I came to Lourdes. You think you come on your own. You are actually coming here invited by our lady of Lourdes. That's the essential part. As soon as I get on the plane to Rome tomorrow, I'm thinking about making my plane ticket reservation for next year. Uh. That's the important thing about Lourdes. That's wonderful. And this has been so enlightening. We appreciate so much, uh, Ambassadors, you, you coming to share what's going on in your countries, but also just to give us an overall global view of what, uh, what's going on in the Order of Malta. Thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Deacon Jeff and Robert. It's been a real pleasure to be able to tell, uh, tell our story in our own countries and also to give you a picture of how the diplomatic network of the order works. We normally close in prayer. And so uh, I thought we'd read a tiny bit of scripture first because it's a very um, uh, important scripture passage from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. And it's in chapter 5. And so we'll read that and we'll pray. So we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We beseech you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us all to be ambassadors for Christ, evangelists sharing the good news with all the world. Strengthen us in our resolve to live faithfully so that we may be beacons of your love for all those we encounter. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>